This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where there's really special opportunity to enjoy their floral design and wine classes or events, we'll call them. You learn the tips and tricks of floral design. You can create a beautiful arrangement to take home in these hands-on classes. And not only that, you'll enjoy an afternoon of wine, cheese, and charcuterie made by Zupans. So those are Sundays, 2 to 4 p.m. It's $125 per person. Don't forget you're taking something home and you're enjoying some wine and cheese and a little bit of... uh, a little bit of excellent charcuterie along the way. And uh, while you're there, you can pick up your Easter centerpiece um, at the Burnside store. And of course, this is the time of year when flowers are just wonderful. Yeah, they are. It's uh, yeah, Spring has sprung, as they say. And we talk about the uh, the fresh flower shop that is at your local Zupans, and you really can't go wrong there. So whether it be for a centerpiece for your upcoming holidays or just, you know, something special for whomever, uh, you can stop by your local Zupans. But speaking of those holidays, Chris, I've been a proponent of this for years, and I I truly believe it. Let Zupans make your life better and simplified by taking care of some of the heavy lifting when it comes to meal prep, uh, whether it be for Easter or for Passover. They always got a great menu. You simply go online at Zupans.com, see what they've got. Uh, you can pre-order a lot of this, and even better, sometimes you just walk into the store, and they've got it ready to go right there. Yeah, easy grab-and-go cartons that you just go home, heat up, and you're it's it's great. It's the best holidays ever because you don't really have to do anything. Right, and you the, the, you can, as you said, take care of some of the heavy lifting or all of it. So you can you can order the whole meal and just enjoy time with your family or escape while your family's enjoying their own time. There you go. So stop by your local Zupans. There are three to choose from: McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego, and information always found where Zupans.com or sign up for the news feed on their website. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Good. Do they appreciate these promos at kink that you're giving them? I mean, we reach millions uh, and you know, kink I'm not, reaches, I'm, what, <laughs> hundreds of people? Sure, yeah. I think those are exact numbers. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I, I I should bring it up in my next uh, performance review of all this uh, bonus stuff, all this bonus marketing they're getting from our podcast. Right, and we're not, uh, you know, I guess it's safe to say we're not occupying any space in the studio anymore, so they're really not giving nope. us, although yeah, there's a little payback for many years. <laughs> Sure, and and and, and, may, and maybe that's the way we need to look at it because yeah, when when we started doing the uh, podcast, it was here at the Alpha Media Studios, and I don't want to say it was under the radar because I I went to management at the time and said, hey, I'm going to be doing this thing. What do I need to pay you for rent? And uh, my boss at the time just like, I ah, don't worry about it. And then he's he's been gone for a while, yeah. and so I think for for a little bit there. I don't know that anybody knew what was going on, but, you know, nobody's paying attention anymore. Yeah, well, it's a ghost town. And it's over with. It's, these it's days. past history. Statute of limitations apply. Right. Yeah, it's bad. Well, yeah, because we're, we're two two plus years past from last time you stopped right, by. Right, and I miss it. I really miss 
recording in the studio, but that's okay. And you know, there was, so after the person that agreed to let us do it or let you do it, um, under the radar, so to speak, then your wife was working there for a while. So there was knowledgement at man, you know, in management there. And then she left. Oh, sure. So all of a sudden we're recording in that studio. Um, yep. So that was pretty awesome for a long time, and I hope maybe we can return and do a guest stint. But I know some other places we can go, and when it, when the when the situation arises, we can record in a studio with people face to face because I like that. Sure. Anyway, that neither here nor there. How did we get there? Oh yes, the uh, promo of Kink. Um, right. So good. You know, it's the only radio station in Portland I've ever listened to in my life. So yeah, you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. So when I moved here, I used to. What did they used to do at night? It was pretty cool. Uh, it was lights out. Right. Is uh, my guess is what you're talking about, which is uh, at ten o'clock it would became just super super easy listening. I don't even because um, it went through various iterations of what lights out was. So I don't know what it was there towards the end, but uh, yeah, it was just e- easy listening and uh, kind of like folk guitar music to some degree. Uh, just to yeah. Fall asleep I think to. It, yeah. So sometimes it's a little smooth jazz. I don't think I would have been listening to much folk guitar, but, um, yeah. but at any rate, I liked the station. And then, you know, those were the days I think I still had XM then, but before Spotify and all that stuff. So, and sure. I came from commercial radio. So the station, I worked for that. I used to like the music, but I really couldn't listen to the morning guys very much, uh, as much as I liked one of them. Um, But WPLR was a heritage radio station in New Haven, Connecticut, much the same way Kink has been in Portland for forever, doing what it's doing. Although, I think it's changed a little bit, has it not? Oh yeah, no the the uh, what what kink has been it, it it's unique in that it's always been kink. It's never gone through like a branding change, but, but the music format wise, uh, the music music has changed. Like in the in the early to mid nineties, it was a smooth new wave new wave jazz station, and in fact, it won a Marconi, which is the big a big award in radio stations mm-hmm. for uh, jazz station of the year. And uh, I, I, to me, it's just kind of a a, a funny thing to think about that that a station like kink now was you know this jazz station not not that long ago 30 years yeah ago. but that's a while ago too sure an idiot <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it wasn't yesterday it might as well have been 30 years i was ago. just watching you know i come across these goofy things on youtube i was watching the uh the opening the opening day for the cubs and mets at wrigley field in 1984 and that's almost mm-hmm. 40 years ago that's a long time oh so, yeah yeah um that's interesting to watch anyway. So, yep. Um, but, uh, uh, so by the way, audience, thanks for indulging us because, uh, apropos to what we were mentioning a moment ago, Court and I don't see each other very much. So, this is like our only opportunity to chit to chat. And so, everybody's yep. listening. Um, well, yeah. it's not our only. We, we talk a little bit outside of this, but not much. This this would represent no, easily fifty percent of the conversations we have. Oh yeah, very much so. So something pops in our head. Oftentimes we'll just start asking each other about it. Right, so. or you know we do text each other a little bit, but there's not much there. Sure. So anyway, and yeah. that's the nice thing about a podcast. And there's so many nice things about a podcast versus a radio show. 
So we're not beholden to anybody. We can say what we want. Time limits. Yep. We can be as unprofessional as we are sometimes. I am. I'm not going to speak for you. In that no, regard. no, no. Lump, lump me in that, please. <laughs> and do what we want to do. And oh my God, I listened to some podcasts this week where people are just talking about stuff that no, I don't care about. They're friends talking. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing, but we're going to offer more in a minute. <laughs> so if you get sure. through this, then we're actually getting to the meat of the matter. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. My wife is is a huge podcast consumer, and she listens to three or four different podcasts throughout throughout her day as she's doing stuff. And she actually talks back to the to the podcast hosts because a lot of it is just kind of conversational between two people. And when they say something that their information mm. is wrong, my wife Randy will correct them, and I I will look over at her and I'm like, "Are you expecting them to hear that?" But uh, it's it, it's interesting how our listening habits have evolved uh in, in the podcast world so maybe people are screaming at us right now chris i don't think saying. so interestingly enough i had a conversation with a uh, uh really nice guy who listens to our podcast and signed up for one of my rafting trips from lis- the listening and at the end of the conversation i asked him what are the do you have any do you have any uh uh, feedback for us because we as we've said before we don't get a lot of feedback which i view as a positive and a negative that we don't get a lot right. of feedback i'd like to you know we know people are listening so we have that but i guess we're we try to stay kind of uncontroversial here so we're not looking to make waves and this isn't 60 minutes so for that reason maybe we don't get a lot of feedback in that regard because people like to talk shit about people nowadays uh, sure. Especially, you know, this is this is this is a this is a, a what's what's the what's the term for it a um, slow moving uh, fodder. What would it, what would it be? It's not coming to me, Court. Like a a lob, uh, easy slow ball, uh, whatever. I'm liking all these terms. I've because uh, I can't quite figure out right. what you're getting so at. Right. So this is case in point. Someone could be sense. listening to me right now and hit one out of the park in terms of criticism. So sure. <laughs> so there's yeah. that. But the criticism we and, and my, meanwhile, my my wife just she just spouted out listening to this podcast what you were trying to think of because that's what she does when they can't come to the answer she often what is will. it I I don't know I'm just saying oh, that, oh that's, she would that's have. what yes, yes. that's what Randy will will do is if they can't if they can't figure out what they're talking about she'll often answer it for them and right yeah, anyway. it was a lob right. or something that's what i was getting at so sure, sure, um, sure. and the feedback we got uh and anybody's willing let me put it this way chime in to see if you agree with um with what we heard which was we got to keep it to under an hour because that's too long although i see lots of podcasts that are hour and a half and are very inconsistent with yeah. with their timing so uh, keep it to under an hour. And also um, the other one was, it was very ironic because it was stop talking about tip lines. The people who listen to this podcast, you're probably not going to make much headway with tip lines and complaining about eating out of boxes and stuff, which ironically enough, Court, you know this, that same day I had sent you notes from our recording to edit, and I, I asked you to edit out 10 minutes of my most recent rant on that topic. So sure. anyway, this interview, and she's probably listening to this, rolling her eyes right now, going, when are we going to get to me? 
is with Gabriela Martinez, who is the pastry chef over at Dame. And also she's got her own uh, gigs, uh, Sweet Creature PDX on Instagram. The interesting part, uh, there were a few interesting parts of this podcast. And one was, um, and I, I, I anticipated it, for Gabriella to talk about how wonderful it is to work with Patrick McKee at Dame and how great their kitchen is and how great Jane is as well. And uh, this suggestion to interview Gabriella came from our good friend Tasia Bernie, who was earlier on the podcast, and she was a fun guest. And she's really uh, hooked into what's going on. And it's no secret in the podcast with her a few episodes ago, she is a huge Dame fan. And uh, as part of that now is Gabriella. And we get to hear from Gabriella how she works at Dame, what what her thoughts are, what they're going to be doing, um, how she's fusing. Uh, I'm not going to use the word fusing. How she's bringing some, uh, some Mexican... Uh, knowledge and, and love of Mexican food into Italian food. So that's pretty cool too. So, And she's really nice and was a fun guest. I know she was a little nervous going into it. And afterwards I asked her by the end of the interview if she was nervous any longer and she was perfectly comfortable. So that's the most important thing, Court, is our guests are comfortable coming on the show. And yep. well, secondarily, we want to make sure that, that our listeners enjoy the podcast, which I think they're going to do with this one, with Gabriela Martinez of Dame and Sweet Creature PDX. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelis, and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the trips tab at portlandfoodadventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast. Oh my God, we're here on a sunny day and I'm seeing a sunny face. <laughs> Gabby. Hi. Hi, Gabby. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. The last time I wish I had seen you more recently at Dame because that means I would have been at Dame. I haven't been there for quite a while. Um, and I need to get back there because I hear from... Yeah. Lots of people, and I think that um, you know the game has has had to have been upped since I was last there a couple of years ago before the pandemic. I mean, the, uh, Patrick brought you in to <laughs> to uh, put the icing on the cake, so to speak. Yeah. So, and that would be Patrick McKee, the chef there. So, um, yeah, I wish I had seen you, but the last time I saw you was at. Republica, which of course has been 
you know, in the news over the past couple of years, right? There's There hasn't been a yeah. lot positive to focus on in the Portland food world and Republica got a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, attention for a while, and it still is. Um, but at any rate, you're doing something completely different. You've switched from a little place that's serving Mexican food um, that's <laughs> a little different to Italian. How's that? Yeah, um, it's been great. Um, going from Repubblica, where it's kind of more like an intricate plating, a lot of different elements, learning how to like simplify and pull back a little bit and still make it just as good. Um, but it's, I love working at Dame. Um, I get to learn a lot more about Italian food, which I hadn't really worked with before. Um, I've worked with a lot of like Japanese and French, um, ingredients and food. So being at Dame has been quite a learning experience, but really great. (laughs) Good. Did you hit the ground running? Did you know what you wanted to do or was it, did you have to meet with, I mean, I don't know where Patrick (laughs) is in terms of, uh, you know, desserts and pastries. Yeah. I mean, my first day in there, I was already working on switching the menu. Um, so I think a week in, we already had the whole menu switched, except for the classic donuts that are just a staple and really great. But yeah, we had the whole menu for dessert changed and within a week. And I did some stuff with Patrick. We shared ideas with each other. Um, and that was, yeah, it was pretty quick. <laughs> Good. Well, you're bringing, um, as I understand it, a pretty varied experience, right? From the, you mentioned it to me earlier, um, you know, right through from Wolfgang Puck restaurants to and cruise yeah. ships. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're young. I don't want to ask, you never ask a lady how old she is, <laughs> but you're young and uh, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but how did you get your start in food and where where was the first time that you said well, this is exactly what I want to do or confirmed I'm in this job and I like it well my dad growing up my dad always cooked he's from um, Antigua Guatemala so I always had like beautiful home meals homemade meals um, but he couldn't bake to save his life he couldn't do even a box cake um, so my family always wanted sweets so I started doing that and then at what age? Um, I went to culinary art school when I was 18, right after I graduated high school. Um, but I started baking when I was like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. from the box, adding little secret ingredients of my own. Half the time they were awful, but everybody pretended like they were great. <laughs> um, and then I went to culinary art school and I did the pastry program at Le Cordon Bleu. And I asked them what was like the hardest job out of school because I just wanted to hit the ground running and just go. And then I went to work on cruise ships for about three years. Yeah. What what line? And not necessarily what line, but how many people (laughs) were you cooking for? Oh, I was a part of Norwegian cruise line and I was cooking for 5,500 people. 5,500 per meal. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, I mean, and I partied hard. (laughs) When do you have time to party if you're cooking, um, if you're baking, baking for that many people or whatever you might be doing? um, I was part of the main dining room, which they had two main dining rooms that were free to eat at. um, And then I got promoted to specialty restaurant within my first three months. So when you're in specialty, you kind of have it a little bit easier 
um, they have to pay to go to those restaurants. And I was part of the um, bistro and it was really, really cool. But I, I mean, I, I had time to drink. We had a crew bar on board. We were able to get off. <laughs> so when we were not at work, we were out drinking and dancing and partying and exploring. I was in Hawaii, actually. So. And you were, uh, I assume, pretty young at that point. <laughs> Younger than you are now, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I turned 21 on the boat. So. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a fun yeah. place to have your 21st <laughs> birthday. Um, it's on a cruise ship in Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, so... Knowing that now, and you know, I've watched some movies about what happened during the pandemic to that one ship anyway that was kind of stranded. Mm. What do you, th I, you know, I always viewed, we did cruises when my kids were really young and it was the multi-generational cruise. We went with my parents. I was in the middle and I mm. loved it. Everybody kind of loved it because we could do our own thing and then yeah. meet for dinner. That's kind of what it was. And I could actually, my yeah. kids were oh my God, six and nine or seven and 10. And I could mm -hmm. take off and go to an island and just leave them on the ship to do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. They were in heaven. So, yeah. they, you know, no supervision. <laughs> so, um, no, it, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't in that. You were, you lived a different life on the cruise ship oh. than the one we were using, but it's still kind of claustrophobic. Um, can you imagine going on a cruise again? I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I I would never I'd probably go on it to like enjoy it um and get a really nice big room with a balcony but I mean my room I shared with three other people. Mm. So we had two bunk beds in there and you know our bathroom was just so small and our beds were like right next to each other and we just had little like covers to cover our little space and and that are you allowed? Are you allowed at off hours to go out and mingle? You can't go to the bars that the the customers are going to, can you? Or do you have to live oh, no. your life in the back? You know, in the whatever they call it, there separate. We quarters. had our own crew bar. Yeah, we had our crew bar. Did it have a view, just, or was it inside? Uh, it had little, like everything else. It had little windows, and you know, it was on one of the like upper. It was below all the like guest decks, but it was still like you could see it. And then we had our own like crew smoking area aft, all the way aft, which had open and you can see the water. And mm -hmm. I mean, it was really cool. Um, and drinks were really cheap. So we just would swipe our cards. They'd take it off our checks. We're just living our lives. You never missed it. You never saw it. You never missed it. Well, that would be uh, an interesting thing. So did you enjoy you enjoyed that. How about cooking for 5,500 people or baking? Oh, it was rough. I mean, we worked really, really hard. Um, I didn't have a day off for, I mean, eight months straight. No, The only time no we had shit. a day off. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people ask me now is like, how do you do, like, how do you keep going? How do you just like not stop? And I'm like, I think it's because all of that time that I spent on board, not stopping, you know? Mm -hmm. We would work like wake up, work four hours, have an hour off, do six hours, like take five hours off. And like it was just nonstop for eight months. Eight a months time, without a months. day yeah. off to look forward to. No, the only time you had a day off is if you were sick and they would quarantine you for like 72 hours. So. Oh, so it was kind of like, oh, if you're going <laughs> to. That wouldn't have worked for me because <laughs> no. long ago when I was employed, I had my little tricks for calling in sick. 
because mm-hmm. I just couldn't deal with it. And you know, mm-hmm. my mine was, and you, it wouldn't have worked for you on the cruise ship. Uh, but mine was, if you're going to call in sick one day, you gotta you gotta go the week or three days at least <laughs> yeah. to make it look real. One day is yeah. too obvious bullshit, but. Um, <laughs> But if you do three, then okay, that looks a little more real. Anyway, that was my yeah. philosophy on that. And <laughs> I'm not giving seminars on work ethics. That's for sure. <laughs> been self-employed since 1995. But you have to have a good work ethic on a ship. You can't just, oh, yeah. you can't just die with it. It's not for everyone. Right. I and watched so- people come and go just constantly. They would come in. Two days later, they were gone. <laughs> So that's a rough thing when you gotta. They have to be trained and learn a lot, and they're not even getting to that stage, and you just keep starting all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then from there, um, where'd you go from there? Um, I started working at the Hollywood and Highland um, Wolfgang Catering, mm-hmm. um, and then I was doing the catering with the catering group for about. A few months, and then I started working on the chocolate program. So he uh, flew in his chef from Vegas, and he started training me with chocolate, um, tempering chocolate, doing bonbons, truffles, all that stuff. And then I did the Oscars with them, which was really cool. I made the like tall chocolate Oscars and little ones that are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I did two Oscars with them, and then... After that, I started working for Alexander Steakhouse Group. So was there a point when you were working with chocolate that you said, this is it? This is what I like? Yeah. I mean, the chef that came to train me didn't care to know my name for like six months. (laughs) That's humiliating. That's abuse. (laughs) Um, Isn't that abuse? I mean, I would cry every day. I would cry in my car driving home every day. But I still, I still went to work. Um, I went to work every day. I took it. And now he has a nickname for me. (laughs) And when I'm in Vegas, I'll go see him. Um, But it was pretty rough. But it kind of, that was the point in my career where I was like, I was like broken down and then kind of rebuilt in a sense. And after that, I I handled, I could handle a lot. (laughs) So, but here we are today in 2022 is, is, is it standard? Is it it can't still be standard operating procedure to break someone down and build them back up that, that those days have to be gone. But as, as you may say, or you may not, it Mm might've been really helpful for you and helped build you as a, as a chef. Yeah, it did. At the time, <laughs> I don't know how I would handle it now. <laughs> it's like this, like, it's hard because you're like, you know, that you, I realized that that did, like, being broken and then built again was very helpful. But it also was, like, m- emotionally and mentally, like, a lot <laughs> to deal with, you know? Um, and I wasn't aware of, like, mental health back then as much as I am now. <laughs> Everyone else's or yours? <laughs> Um, my. <laughs> how do yeah. you how are you feeling now? You feel a little, you know, those that sometimes not everybody, but you know, it's like anybody else who says, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, people who are looking for somebody else and, and say, I, I I don't want anybody who lies. Well, the liars don't know they're lying, or the liars don't mm-hmm. think they're lying. Mm-hmm. So the 
those who need mental health may not think they need mental health. Have you, are you able to take stock and think, wow, I need a little personal time off or I need a little help? Yeah, I need, um, I've been told that I need to uh, focus on myself a little bit more and take time for myself, self-care, because mm-hmm. I'm just like nonstop because I'm at Dame and then I have Sweet Creature, which I do pop-up dinners and pop-ups in Portland. So um, yeah, I've been told that uh, I need to like relax for a day. <laughs> Don't answer my phone, you know, go get a massage or get my nails done and stuff like that. Or just like hang out with my partner and still focus on myself a little bit. Well, I would guess, I'm, I can only guess based on what I think that Dame has to be give you the opportunity to do that a little more. And I would imagine when you were at Republica, aside from some of the, you know, the fact that Republica was really popular and all of a sudden mm. eyes were on it and seats yeah. were filled all the time, you probably didn't get much chance to relax a little bit there. Does, is that the case at Dame, that maybe the contrast between Republica and Dame for you? Yeah. Um, at Dame, I'm doing between 20 to 25 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I get all the production done for the days that they're open. And Patrick will plate my desserts at night. Um, and then I get the rest of my week to really focus on all the other things that I have going on as well. Because he's just been just utterly so um, supportive in everything else that I want to do. So having that time you know, to come home and take a nap before I make a thousand bonbons is something that I didn't have before. So it's really nice to have that chance to be able to have a Monday off and do a pop-up dinner with Luna or, you know, other friends. And it's, it's wild. Like I've never, I've never had that. Like, well, I didn't have that Republica basically. (laughs) Well, do you know what to do with your, well, you, it sounds like you know what you're to do with your time, but often I find that people who have, who are go, 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 don't know how to stop, stop, stop. They just can't. Yeah. It's not in there. It's DNA. hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. But, um, you know, I just take some time to, like, sneak in little naps when I can. That's, like, my thing. Or, you know, go to a bar and have some drink with some friends, old coworkers from Republica who I'm with, like, every week. So we just we're you know, figuring it out as we move along. <laughs> so you moved – uh, uh, quite a few people have moved from Republica, so I hear. And you moved. Well, how long? How long ago did you make the switch? I left in December. Okay, so that's yeah. only three months. Yeah. So, and you're still friends with folks over there. Was there a uh, other than those things that we're talking about now in terms of being able to breathe a little bit? Were there some other reasons that was it a, was it more of an offensive move or a defensive move? I'll put it that way to move to move over to Dame. Um, I had been following Patrick's career for a while, even before I moved up here um, a couple years ago, and I always kind of like wanted to work with him, but I wasn't planning on getting back into um, the kitchen when I moved here. Um, after some stuff that happened in LA, but I started working at Republica and I really believed in it. Um, and then over time it just kind of wasn't what it seemed. And as like staff 
and my fellow coworkers and friends and family that I consider family now. Um, it just nobody was really treated um, properly or fairly. Um, and I had been getting closer to Patrick over time. And originally, we had just talked about maybe consult like him consulting with me doing the menu there. Um, but not being the in-house pastry chef, I was still going to be at Ripawika. Um, but that posed a conflict of interest um, to Ripawika. So I had originally turned Patrick how, down. How does that pose? A, it, it's, you know, I mean, one I of the unique things about Portland anything. is that they don't have that competitive, generally speaking. And I could understand if it was another Mexican, you know, some something in that vein. But... Uh, yeah. So it was considered a conflict of interest at another restaurant? Yeah, to- yeah I wasn't, I didn't have a title. Um, I was technically considered just a pastry cook, even though I was creating for the night menu, mm-hmm. um, for the tasting, for months. Um, but it was a conflict of interest, even though it was different, a different concept, different food, different side of town. Um, and I was just you know, wanting to consult and help with their menu. Um, so I originally um, had spoke to um, ownership and stuff at Ripolica. They weren't very happy about it. Um, said it would be a conflict of interest. So I originally turned Patrick down. Mm-hmm. Um, I told him I wasn't going to be able to do this with him. And it just didn't sit right. I it just didn't sit right. I still, again, was not really happy at Ripawika anymore. And so I made the decision to put my two weeks in and leave and then join up with Patrick and just hit the ground running. And now you don't have, <laughs> now you don't have that conflict of interest. You can do what you want. No, you and he supports you me do. collabing with everybody. I mean, I've been collabing with a lot of different um, people and doing pop-up dinners, and he supports it every time. He'll always ask me how my dinner went. Um, how my pop-ups are going and he's just really supportive. I, you know, I only know Patrick from some of the times we've been able to chit chat over a, you know, over a plate, not over a plate that he's serving practically. Mm -hmm. We haven't really been able to sit down, but (laughs) everything I, every conversation I've ever had with him and everything I know about him through others are that he is really great. You know, he, he learned from, quite a few of the best i think Mm -hmm. and that he was on board with how to treat people in a kitchen before it became something people had to actually think about so they didn't have to worry about lawsuits or 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 instagram feeds or (laughs) anything that was going on there so um is he is is he as laid back as does he have his moments or is is he as just a charming guy as I think he is. He's just as great as you can imagine he would be. Um, He's just always been super supportive of me, even when I didn't work for him. Um, And he's the way he communicates is something I've never like had before. So it's been different for me to like, I feel like sometimes I get like scared, but he's just, literally communicating normally with me (laughs) and I'm not used to that so it's like kind of like trauma (laughs) where I like come from all this trauma and I'm like wait wait why are you so calm right now like I'm waiting for something else to come after it but it doesn't (laughs) 
Um, In yeah, a way, just, that's a bit of a that's a bit of irony and a bit of conundrum because then you're able to. It causes you to go, "Hey, wait a minute! I dealt yeah. with a lot of shit in many mm-hmm. different ways, probably personal mm-hmm. life and business mm-hmm. life for years that you're that you don't have to deal with. It kind of makes you stop and think, and yeah. probably is a little bit, oddly enough, a little upsetting. Yeah, it was um, an eye opener for me, um, for sure, to realize that somebody could value like my talent and then also respect me and then just support me. I've never had all three. And that's what I have from Patrick. So it's well, special. Good. The bar is high. Yeah. And so I'm sure it probably makes you helps you to prepare even better food, right? Because if you're happy that yeah. comes through the love comes through in the food, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what's your favorite thing on the menu over there? We don't usually talk food on this podcast, but mm-hmm. what what is it that that's floating your boat at the moment? Oh, they have um, the risotto, my the carpaccio, um, and then my the dessert that's just a seller right now is the cannoli ice cream sundae. Oh, nice. Did you, you weren't there last time uh, the crew went to Italy, I assume. That was no, before that. Yeah, I got there right, I mean, they had went October, November, I think, mm-hmm. um, for like a week and a half. Um, but we're planning on going this year to the southern part of Italy. So I'll get to join this time, which will be Super great. <laughs> That's exciting for everybody there. I think it's fantastic, yeah. especially since Patrick has, you know, an Italian bloodline. You wouldn't know that from the name McKee, but his nope. mother's side. <laughs> and uh, I know we had him on the podcast a few months ago, and he was real excited. And I, having uh, not gone to Italy since I was a kid and having gone back the last five years and finding some insane cannolis over there, I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited for you because <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, I grew up around uh, in Connecticut where there's a lot of Italian food, uh, way mm. more than you see here. And mm. there were places that just served cannolis. That's where you went for cannolis. <sighs> but, you know, nothing like going for me. I don't know. I never fell in love with them until I got to Italy. And it could be the romance of being mm-hmm. in Noto or... or um, where else? Oh, in Catania, we did, uh, I think it was Catania, we did a cooking class mm-hmm. where we made uh, cannolis. That was pretty good. So we can hook you up. Austri and uh, I can hook you guys oh, up with some yes. pretty... Sometime yes, you need to get to... <laughs> sometime you need to get to Sicily and go to Noto to Cafe Cecilia. That's the... Yeah. That, that, and I'm sure you might have heard of that, but... Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to going out there and, and just taking in all that I can and eating all that I can. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, when you go there, you, you can't, it's hard to regulate. You just keep going yeah. on those kind of trips. You yeah. just just eat. And, uh, uh, and then in the end, I know after I'm there for a week or two, at the end, I... If I go to another city, then I get to the point where it's like, I don't need to find the best food anywhere. Yeah. I just, I already did that. That was good. So now, now I'm looking for culture. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so speaking of culture then, so how, how do you contrast Italian culture and Mexican culture? Oh, um, 
I so my boyfriend's family is from Mexico. Um, his mom's from Oaxaca and his dad's from Michoacan. So I've spent a lot of time this last year, like learning from them what they ate, mm -hmm. the things, you know, spending time with his mom in the kitchen when we go see her, um, talking to his dad about all the things that they grew up eating when they were younger. And, you know, they're like, his grandparents are still, um, they speak like the original, like their dialect. They don't even speak Spanish. So we're trying to get out there this year um, again to kind of spend some time with them. But it's like infusing little things from like Mexico or my Guatemalan side or my Ecuadorian side with Italian. Like this spring, I think we're going to do a lot of that. Um, Patrick's really open to like incorporating some like Mexican ingredients into like the Italian um, food and just creating some magic with that. Um, I have a lot of really cool ideas, but it's executing them that'll <laughs> play the, the difficult part. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody uh, putting those two cuisines together. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure they exist, but uh, I've never yeah. heard of that. And I would think yeah. that, that, that it does work, too. And then, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, when you go to Sicily, you're kind of on the um, a parallel with Southern California and into Mexico mm -hmm. in terms of the 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 kind of things that grow there at yeah. least the climate would grow mm -hmm. similar things i don't know yeah well when i was at republica i did a lot of like japanese flavors with like the mexico like mexican flavors so i would incorporate a lot of yuzu into everything i did and um just play around with stuff like that because i just that's where i came from is like uh i'm japanese and french trained and then just always put some yuzu somewhere in one of my dishes. So, and miso well, and stuff like that. So, that's a little bit like Mexican Nikkei, Nikkei mm -hmm. or Nikkei food, mm -hmm. right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It seems yeah. to be the thing all of a sudden um, to <laughs> fuse Japanese in, in there somehow. And mm -hmm. I find, I don't know if you do, but I find that most of the people in the industry, that I know in Portland gravitate towards um, Asian food, no matter what it is. And why mm -hmm. is that? I'll, I have asked that before, but I like to. I, it always, it's just so good. It's is just that so all good. it is? Oh, I mean, some, but Italian so, is so eat, good too. Yes, that is true. But I could eat like all Asian food like every day. I, I could. I could do it. From sushi to dim sum to just everything I could just eat. Oh my gosh. And there's so much like good, um, like Asian food in Portland, I think. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's grown in it. Yeah. You know, what I find is interesting is the younger people are, the more they're gravitating towards Asian food. That's not to say that those folks like me don't enjoy it. I, yeah. I eat it quite a bit, but I'm not, mm -hmm. I, you know, for instance, if you look at Brooke, and the mm -hmm. the others who write for Eater, mm -hmm. that has taken. Uh, if you look at the Eater Thirty Eight now, it's not what it was five years ago. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. there's a lot more Asian going on there. So, mm -hmm. um, well, and so are you are you, you going to be fusing that into uh, Dame's food too, or can you only do? And I'm sorry to use the word fuse. Yeah, uh, blending or or having influence <laughs> thereof. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I'm going to play around with a lot of stuff this spring and summer, just this whole year. I mean, I have the the ability at Dame to pretty much create anything um, as long as it works and it's delicious and it's it's cool. Like, I have the ability to do that. So I really want to do some really cool things here in Portland. So speak, speaking of Portland, what was it that drew you up here? Because you, it sounds um, like you came from. Did you come from the Los Angeles area directly to here? Mm-hmm. I was in. Um, I was working in Pasadena. I was living in Burbank, um, but I worked at a uh, you know a couple of places around LA. Um, and it just was. I grew up out there. It wasn't the place for me. I've always wanted to to leave LA. Um, I thought about Nashville for a while to pursue a singing career at some point. <laughs> oh, would you karaoke. sing for us? Can we oh, hear gosh. what that would have been like? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, come no, on. You gotta I have mean, something. You can catch me at local karaoke bars all the time. I'm always doing karaoke. <laughs> okay. Oh, I um, wish I had something I could put up for you to sing. That would be... We've only actually once done a... We've, we've done a couple of chefs who brought their guitars in. Um, that's always right. a good thing. But if I'd known that, I would have... I, I might have prepped you a little bit and said, come on, you're gonna, you got to do this. <laughs> and I might have done it, but I'm always at karaoke bars with all my friends, so... Um, but yeah, I... Um, I wanted to move up here. My boyfriend was living in Springfield and we had been doing long distance and it kind of just worked out to where instead of him moving to LA, we just moved up here to Portland. Um, he's in cannabis. So, um, you know, that first shut year of like being shut down and stuff. Um, I just, you know, um, took care of the house and (laughs) just pretty much had like a year off to like, that's, just relax. That's nice. And when <laughs> you say he's in cannabis, how's that going? Because that's been a little bit challenging. Yeah, it's been a little depending bit challenging. Depending on what aspect you're in. Yeah, he um, he's now doing some work for like dispensaries and stuff. So he's good. You know, he's he's chilling. It was a little bit hard for a little couple months. But, um, I mean, he's also, things are picking up, I think, in cannabis. They were doing really well for a while, but now they're they're picking up. Oh, in the beginning, and then and then I don't. And then it kind of died down, yeah. It kind of died down. There was oversupply and pandemic and stuff, yeah. And I don't know where it is with regard to uh, interstate commerce, but I think, as I understand it, that that would or would have helped uh, this industry here because there's so much growing here. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah. At any rate, you know, I'm just glad we're talking about it. And I'm glad yeah. we treat cannabis like I like to treat it like wine. I think it yeah. should be in the conversation the way mm-hmm. wine is. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I don't, we're kind of veering off here, but I hate when it's treated like uh, a childish thing. I don't yeah. even like calling it weed. I think calling it no. weed is, doesn't do it justice. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, but anyway, so you came up and uh, yeah. into Portland, and was it, uh, do you still like it? I mean, it's been a weird few years. There, and it's there's a, there's weird. a lot to like about this area, and there's a there's more to dislike than when I moved here, and, and more the, than three years ago. Yeah, I... I love Portland. I feel like this connection to it that I 
I didn't think I would have, but now I do have. And I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the people or um, the food, but I just feel so connected here. Like I don't plan on leaving Portland. I plan on opening a chocolate shop next year and staying here. Well, and, that's that's putting yeah. down an anchor, a shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. That'll do Next it. Year, well, that's the goal. You know, it's interesting how that happens because I moved out to the Portland area, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, to actually Lake Oswego. I had kids at school, and that was an important part of it was getting mm-hmm. support in place for a kid who had special needs. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember thinking I would never leave this area at all. And now I'm out on the coast, so I feel like I, I kind of did a little of both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm still in the area. I still have a connection. I'm going into Portland as soon as we finish this. I have things to do there. But I remember thinking I could never imagine living here. And then over the past couple of years, I was starting to think of, well, if I didn't live around here, where would I go? So that changes over time, mm-hmm. I think. It's great that you think yeah. that. And I remember, I still have that feeling. I have a love for the city and more so the state of Oregon. I think I've never had, sounds like you might be in the same boat, but I have never had felt in my life a connection, a relationship with geography the way mm-hmm. I feel about Oregon. Mm-hmm. I lived in Connecticut. I lived in LA. Mm-hmm. I never felt that it was a part of me, I feel like this is part of me. So it's in in a couple of years, it's gotten into your psyche too. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling that way right now. And again, you know, you never know, things might change. Down the line, once there's kids involved or, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, for now, I'm really happy here. I don't think Yeah, well, once there's kids involved, then you're (laughs) – a little bit more tied to where you are. Yeah. I guess it's possible to move. I did it when the kids were in middle school and high school, but it's not, it's not as easy. So, um, and when's that happening? The, Oh, look at you. (laughs) I just, you should see your face. Kids, kids, when are kids happening? Um, I mean, we're just, whenever it does, you know, I've been with my partner for, Almost three years now, but that's, he's just my forever. So he has no other choice. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, then so. the choice to have children is a whole yeah. other thing I know. Than, than going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take, let's take, having said that, let's take a a little break for a word from our friends at Ringside Steakhouse, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about your, some of your favorite places to go in Portland. I know you must have a lot, sounds like you have a lot of friends and they must be in the industry. We'll be right back. Chris, we're going to pause here a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, a uh, Portland institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and uh, 78 years, I understand now, and it was the 75th pre-pandemic, and now, boy, that, that time went fast. 78 years, we should cover the necessary particulars about what they're doing now. They're offering indoor dining and uh, heated and covered outdoor dining, and they're also doing to-go, which I want to talk about in a second, but also they're doing seating in the bar as though it was the restaurant, so that beautiful bar that they just rented 
renovated a few years ago is now kind of part of the dining room, but it's it's got a cool vibe to it. So um, so all sorts of the hours are uh, four to nine on weekends or four to nine thirty on Saturday. Actually, four thirty to nine thirty on Friday, five to nine Wednesday and Thursday. So they're closed now on Monday and Tuesday. Although if you check in, sometimes they will be open on Tuesday. Um, and also, if you call an hour and a ahead, you can get to go, your food to go. I just did a party with 10 people at my house. Ringside provided all the food, and it was spectacular. We had New York stri- boneless New York strip steaks, which were easy for me to do on the grill, and then slice up. The mashed potatoes, all sous vide, were fantastic. We got ingredients for salad, hazelnuts, two types of dressing, green beans, uh, and oh, lobster tails as well. And uh, it was really easy to do. And also for dessert, very simple, some of the best toffee you're ever going to have. You just throw that on a plate and it's all good. So we were looking for something that was less work intensive and ringside provided it. It's very nice. So whether it be for a special occasion or a special occasion happening at your place, Ringside Steakhouse has you covered. Yeah, and you can find them on Open Table or at ringsidesteakhouse.com for reservations, or you can call them at 503-223-1513. That's 223-1513 for reservations and uh, to order something to go. Hey, Chris, of Portland Food Adventures, you've got some trips coming up that uh, people should join I on. do, and some of them, though, they'd be a little late. So we are uh, sold out, for all intents and purposes, for our two rafting trips this summer with Canyon Outfitters and Ringside Steakhouse, and also Flying Fish with uh, Leaf Gildersieve and um, Eric England. Of, of flying fish we're sold out of those and uh we are sold out of our spain trip in the fall that we're taking to Basque country with urdaneta but we do have room available and i have i have incentives to help make it happened that people who would love to go to Sicily and have never seen Sicily and have always dreamed of seeing Sicily uh, can go with us September 16th to the 24th. With, if you look up on our website, portlandfoodadventures.com, you'll see Aust- there's a little blurb under the Sicily trip about Austria Ensign. You can learn a little bit her, about her and see why she is a fantastic tour guide. And that trip is going to be fantastic. It's filling up, but we have definitely have room for more people and we would love to have, I'd love to chat with anybody about that and tell them why they need to come and uh, work out a nice little deal for them to join us. So that's uh, at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. You can find out how to get in touch with me, Chris at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. So uh, PortlandFoodAdventures.com and follow us through Spain, throughout Spain at PortlandFoodADV on Instagram. All right, we're back with Gabby Martinez of Dame Fame. Well, that was fun to say. That's nice. Of Dame fame. Yes, that was cool. And uh, it's a nice title for you. Um, famous dames. 
Um, <laughs> at any rate, so uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit about um, some of your favorite places to go. It's what I've been all about years of having yeah. any involvement in this food scene. We like to hear where our best chefs like to go because those recommendations are the best. Yeah, I mean, my number one, obviously not being biased is Dame, but other than that would be, um, I have my little list here <laughs> that I made. Um, so my favorite um, place to go that I literally go weekly is Magna. I go there every week. I think for like four months, I, I was literally there once or twice a week with my partner. We just, and, wh- and what is, exactly is <sighs> it? Other than Carlo, I know Carlo's energy is awesome. Oh, and of course that fantastic. shows through in his food. But yeah. what is it exactly? Like When you tell people, you got to go to Magna, you oh, got to yeah. give them a why. I tell them, so m- growing up, my mom worked in clinics with a lot of like uh, Filipino women. Mm-hmm. So I was able to eat all that food growing up. Um, and then she stopped working in clinics. And I was deprived of that food. (laughs) Um, So then when I moved to Portland and I had gone to Magna for the first time, I had that food again and it it like made me really emotional and I felt things that I hadn't felt in a while. Um, And so I couldn't get enough of it. And from the moment you walk in, I mean, the staff in the back, the front of the house, the energy in there um, and the food for me is, is top notch. You know, well, and, it's been recognized around the country, so <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's that's cool. And Carlo, um, one of the nicest people I know. So yeah. uh, you He's and incredible. Patrick, you seem to gravitate to the, those people. Yeah, I mean, I started, you know, coming in all the time to Magna when I first started at Ripple Weekend, and even before I was constantly going in and so you know we built a relationship and you know I always get really excited when I see him but um I just love also the fact that he's always on that line like he's expoing I see him every night there there hasn't been a night where I haven't seen him working and if not he's running to the back prepping if they're running out of stuff and because I mean they're so busy but he's just incredible his whole staff um Actually, one of his staff, uh, Tim, who I worked with at Republica, who was one You're of having the a uh, storytellers, that guy's going to marry my boyfriend and I one day. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to have a, th- you have a, yeah. Oh, oh, he's actually yeah. doing the ceremony. Gonna, That's what you're talking about. Yeah, he's going to marry us one day for sure. Yeah, well, well it, it's 2022. Who knows? You don't know. Yeah. So, but um, that's awesome. That's cool. And I like the fact that you um, mentioned he had a title as a storyteller because, yes, that is done at Republica and not everywhere. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, is he doing that at Magna now? Is he telling stories at Magna? Um, it's not as obviously, it's not the same. <laughs> so right. He's not explaining every dish. You know, he's just kind of you know, run the food and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, he, he was the best storyteller at Republica, hands down. He was incredible. He's, yeah, he's incredible. I'm really happy he switched over to Magna. 
because that's where he really wanted to be. So right, and yeah, you're probably there yeah. more than you're at Republica now. I would imagine a hundred percent. I was kind of always there more, but you know, um, yeah, Magna is one of my favorites. Um, and then Mestizo would have to be my next one. Have you been to Mestizo? No. Yeah, I have not. You got to tell me about it. Oh, they have a um, man is has this vegan pozole, and I'm I, you know I'm I'm not like a vegan gluten free. I like all that stuff, um, but she has this mushroom pozole, and it's wild. I never thought I could have pozole that good, and I've had my my partner's mom's, and mm-hmm. it's it's better than hers. Can't say well, that too let's, well, but. let's not tell her about this podcast. Let's <laughs> not have her listen. <laughs> or, or we can we we can set it up so that there's a digital uh, some yeah. digital thing in there to just if it goes to uh, she's in Los Angeles or somewhere around there. Um, she's in the Bay Area. Okay, if it, anybody mm-hmm. listening in the Bay Area, that part of the podcast will just disappear. Just never happened. <laughs> yeah, never happened. Um, yeah, Mestizo is really, really, really great. And um, where is that? That's on, um, it's in Southeast on Division, I think. Let me make sure. Yeah, it's on. Uh, you could almost just say that and, and half the restaurants are over there anyway now. Yeah, so. it's on Division. I mean, it's just that one strip right there. It's right next to Kati, which she also owns. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, go down that list a little bit. This is this is good. This is helpful. Um, <laughs> Cafe Ali, um, their kitchen and their food is great, mm-hmm. and their ownership is great. Um, I've been doing a lot of pop ups there um, with Luna from Cello. Um, I went to Potty three times in one week, <laughs> and again, it's just I can't get enough of their Tom Cus soup and their calamari and their drinks and their crispy chicken and barbecue pork fried rice. <laughs> you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. I think Earl has become, Earl Ninsom has become the kingpin in, yeah. in Portland in the food world. Yeah. He's now, I mean, with the departure of quite a few of mm-hmm. our longtime chefs and restaurateurs, Earl's the man now. Oh, it's just so good. It's so good. That potty is so good. Um, and then I went, I was able to eat at Gem Supper Club. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that dinner. That was incredible. And then I just went to the Astral Pop-Up. And I had the best dessert I've had in like a really long time um, from the pastry chef there. Oh, nice. Do you remember what yeah. it was? I have a terrible food memory when it comes oh, to my God, I do remember. what I ate four I days ago. It. Pardon me? <laughs> Um, I remembered it was a bunuelo on top, and then underneath was um, some rhubarb, and then a grapefruit sorbet. But the texture of the sorbet was like ice cream. Mm-hmm. It was really special. I could have ate six, seven courses of just those. Just give me all of it. Just uh, very it was nice. Good. Yeah. So do you have a, a, any more in Portland? Because you know what? I want to ask you about Los Angeles because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's always nice for people traveling to have some yeah. recommendations. And, you know, Gary, our friend Gary, the foodie, who I'm sure you know, um, yeah. he cites Los Angeles as the 
best food city in the country right now. So yeah. do you have any favorites down there oh, that you can recommend? There, yeah. So I grew up in Burbank and right next door is Glendale. And there's this Peruvian food hole in the wall. It's called Mamitas. It's off of brand. Um, and it's the best Peruvian food I've ever had in my life. And there's maybe like six or seven tables in there. You're kind of cramped. And it's super small in between two big dealerships, car dealerships. Mm-hmm. And there's no parking anywhere. But I had been going to that place for at least like 10 years. It was great. Um, and so you're confident it's still there after the after the pandemic. Oh, yeah. When I just went home, it was there still. So. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, they have the best um, uh, hot sauce, too. And what was um, that again? So no one has to re- rewind and go back and say, to find out what that was. Um, it's called Mamitas. Mamitas. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't even remember it 30 seconds later. Or <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Um, and then another one that I really, really liked, um, my friend Nigel is the executive chef there. Um, La Petite Prairie, LA. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is, it's huge in there. It's beautiful. It's in LA off of Spring Street. Um, and he's bringing like Filipino and like French together. And his food is wild. Like I haven't had anything like that before. Um, and they're doing like, I think like three, 400 covers a night, 500 maybe. Wow. It's like a two-story place. It's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. So you have some good, you have some things to look forward to when you go to (laughs) LA. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I don't, my knowledge of LA goes, you know, back to the late 70s. I actually had the, speaking of, I had the um, incredible experience when Matsuhisa first opened. Mm -hmm. My brother made friends with Nobu. And we mm-hmm. used to go in there when it was like sushi was like, I didn't know what it was. It was a new thing. <laughs> and yeah. he used to, we used to get uh, amakase from him directly from his hands to I mean, right handing us right plates. There. Yeah. So that, you know, that's where, and that and canters, I mean, those, those still stand up, but mm-hmm. you know, they're not the new cool places for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would always really like Odium. I always went to Odium. Odium was always really great for me. So, and what are they? What's Odium all about? Um, I don't. I mean, they just they have really, just how do I explain it? Um, it's um, Tim's Holling, Hollingsworth, I think. I don't mm-hmm. like to say their names wrong, but um, it's just very like classic American, just really, really good stuff. I would just go in there and get some drinks and have some appetizers and an entree and just. So I I guess I have to ask you. So when I was there, I was the stage manager and lighting director at the whiskey, a go, go just for a short time. (laughs) Uh, Do you ever get, did you, do you, did you ever get to the whiskey or do you ever get to the whiskey? I, so growing up, instead of going to house parties and stuff like that, um, Mm -hmm. I went to shows. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them there all over the place. I mean, I was I was an emo he- kid growing up and a metalhead as well. So I was at the Whiskey. I was at the Ros- Roxy. I was at all of the venues. 
House I'm of glad Blues. I, glad I asked. <laughs> I worked at the Roxy too. So this is all because it wasn't anything that I did, but my brother went out there and blazed a trail before me, and he mm-hmm. actually asked me when he went on the road with Van Halen. He had been the lighting director at the Whiskey. That's where he met the mm-hmm. band and became their lighting director wow. and their creative director for years. And he called me when I was at freezing in Syracuse, New York, and said, I'm going on the road with Van Halen. Did you want my job? And Because mm-hmm. I had been there the previous summer to play around a little bit. And yeah. uh, I went out there and I did. It was a lot of fun. I was 20. So it was a good it was a good thing to do as a 20-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> However, I went I went back there as a 40 late 40-year-old somewhere and uh saw a Led Zeppelin tribute band in the I think the late 90s. No, 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 the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. And um I realized there is nobody in this club <laughs> that was alive when I worked here. So <laughs> That was a little bit scary. Oh, so man. can you remember some bands you've seen at the Whiskey? I can name some, but this oh, is about gosh. you, not me. I mean, my first, like, real concert I went to was Metallica. Um, and then At I the Whiskey? Getting... No, not at the Whiskey. I was a baby. <laughs> I had, like, the little headphones on, like, the little mm-hmm. ear things on. Um <laughs> and I <laughs> I went to a Metallica concert and then I I started going to see a lot of emo bands. Um Underworld, Seosin. Um I mean, there were a lot of shows that I obviously don't remember as well because, you know, we were yeah. partying and drinking, which were great. And I was obviously underage in all these places. Um, but I had a family friend that was the road manager for Bad Religion, No Effects, and Flog and Molly. So I was able mm-hmm. to get into any show I wanted to instead of I going wonder to house if those, parties. any of those venues actually <laughs> made any money because everybody knows everybody and is getting in. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, I just got into them for free. I never paid for any shows. Yeah, well, yeah. and, you know, well, you're younger, but, I mean, I, the shows used to be eight bucks, and now they're a mm-hmm. hundred something. Oh, yeah. So, depending on what it is, or a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you... Are you enjoying the music scene in Portland too? What do you like to do outside of you are an I can tell you're an avid diner. So on your time yeah. off, you are you cooking at home or are you going out most of the time? We're going out. Yeah, um, okay. I I will cook his my partner's favorites from time to time and surprise him with some pasta or something. Um but we are we are we are out eating. That's <laughs> that's good. A, you're keep- obscene amount of money, but <laughs> it's worth you're it. keeping <laughs> the scene alive. Somebody's yeah. got to be doing it. So, do you yeah. get out to do the music scene here, or is that what do you like to do other than eat? That was what my where I was oh, leading. Um, so I really like doing karaoke. I'm literally with the staff from Republica that have pretty much most of them that have left. We're together every week. They're like my my family at this point. Um, so they're either here at my house or we're doing karaoke or we're going and supporting each other at like different events that we each have. Um, but one of the things that we do is go to my favorite bar in Portland. It's called the Midnight Society. Okay. That and is my jam. Your jam. <laughs> and why is it your jam? What makes it your jam? Um, I mean, the guys and the whole staff there is incredible and their drinks are magic and they have this whole like dark like kind of almost vampire like 
crosses skull vibe and then um underneath they have a whole venue underneath where people perform in like bands and stuff like that so you can go upstairs and get a drink and then go downstairs and listen to some really cool bands and um is this a good thing that you just told our seven million listeners about or is that going to ruin the midnight society or is it okay no, I think, I mean, they've been open up for just about a year. Um, I don't think people, a lot of people know about the venue downstairs, but I mean, it's, their drinks are, are wild and um, just the staff, I mean, they're just really great. They're, I'm actually going to have a dessert there soon. I'm going to have some of my chocolate bonbons there. So they'll be infusing alcohol and I'm sorry. And stuff. Patrick just texted me that that's a conflict of interest. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Give that another thought. Are you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> imagine that would be so funny. Uh, yeah, uh, heard that before. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I was just just wanted to see your reaction, but you were a little bit. You were stopped in your tracks there for a second. I was like, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. Um, Midnight Society is, it's definitely my favorite spot to go drink. A hundred percent. Their drinks and they have food from Mestizo there as well. And that venue underneath is just huge, huge. It's great. <laughs> well, you're a, you're a wealth of information. Is So you talked about <laughs> working on some new things. Uh, for Dame, is there anything that um, you might be able to tease us with that might be coming down the pike on the menu? Yeah, I'm actually going in later today, and I'm going to work on, I want to do something with bone marrow caramel and a Biscoff cookie, like chocolate mousse cake. Um, yeah, something like that, but it's going to have some sort of like bone marrow caramel in it, just something really, really fun. And then um, I can't wait and for like corn season, because that's when I... Love working That's with when you coins. shine. So, yeah. what is the process that you work through to come up, you know, your ideas and then develop them? Is it, is it something that happens in the shower? Is it something that where you consciously say, "I need a new item. What am I going to do?" Um, or do you have like a you have an inventory of them in your in your head that need to things that need to come out? Yeah, I have um, notes in my phone. And so if I think of something or something like reminds me of something or I eat something and I, I just kind of get inspired, I just kind of start writing notes. I mean, my whole phone is just full of them. Um, and then I kind of focus on one thing for that dish and then I build around it. So if it's going to be the Biscoff cookie or the bone marrow, I'm going to try to play with flavors that'll go with it and just build something, um, from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I get random thoughts like everywhere. <laughs> I'll be like at a um at the grocery store I'll be like brushing my teeth or f walking my dog or you know taking her to her she's like a frenchie meetup and I'm just like standing there covered by like 30 40 frenchies and I'm just like wait bone marrow caramel or or um some sort of alcohol in a bonbon like let's play with that and then I'll just like instantly write it in my phone because I'll forget but it just comes out of nowhere 
Well, no, those, that's, you know, some people are very disciplined and they have a process and others, for me, I have, I'm all over the lot. I, you know, I have no discipline in, in a lot of areas. Although someone just, yesterday I was talking to a friend about writing and the discipline mm-hmm. of writing and I said, oh, I just can't, if it's the same time every day, I, that's hard for me to keep up yeah. with. And she said, well, you have coffee the same time every day. You're able to do that. <laughs> And yeah. I am. So I'm starting to th- think about that sort of thing. Do you have or do you have discipline in that? You have to have some discipline because you have a job with a role that has to be fulfilled <laughs> yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I just like I get into work, I turn on my music. I'm usually by myself at Dame in the morning because I go really early. Um, cuz that kitchen is super small, so it's hard to fit a lot of bodies in there. So I try to be out of there by 11 every day. Um, and I'll get in like early mornings and I just put on my music and I, I just focus and do whatever I have to do to get things well, done. That's a short work day. Oh right? yeah. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I'm only doing four days and, you know, doing maybe three to four hours a day. So that gives you that. So you have to be doing things like pop-ups to, yeah. to further your, you know, your livelihood really. Cause yeah. Yeah. otherwise, you know, 12, 14 hours a week is not, you know, then you may as well have children. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So I do, I do a lot of like pop-up dinners. I just did one with um, Adriana from Potty, the bar manager. She created the drinks. I did, um, the dessert and Luna from Cello. Um, she did the food, which is always just incredible. All of her food is just wild. I don't even know how she thinks of these things. Um, but we have another one coming up next month, and it's been really nice, like working a lot with Luna. Is there a way to? Um, I would imagine it might be your Instagram, but to follow. You know, to make sure that one would know about your upcoming pop-ups and be able to get tickets to it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So my Instagram is sweetcreaturepdx. Um, That's, like, where my chocolate stuff is. Um, Yeah, you can see all that stuff on there. I'm going to be at Portland Night Market this upcoming month with Mm -hmm. my chocolates. And um, we have pop-ups coming up all month. And then I have, like, a kind of like a residency pop-up at Sucker Creme in Southeast every Sunday. Pretty much. So I'm just always, I'm hustling. Just trying you to. You are. You're doing a lot. Yeah. So that begs the question. <laughs> I need to know this. When we put your, uh, when we publish your podcast and start screaming it, how do you want us to refer to you? You know, pastry chef, dame, or there's, there's you do more than that. Yeah, I do. I saw so I'm obviously the pastry chef at dame, but then I also have Sweet Creature PDX, which is my like side hustle, which all the other stuff so <laughs> so we should put we should indicate dame ampersand sweet creature pdx that'll yeah. work for you right that would be because we want it to work yeah. we want it to work for yeah. you but more importantly we consider the information that's imparted on this podcast public service announcements so yeah. um, <laughs> hopefully well no hopefully people listen to this and they're going to have experiences yeah. that are delightful and wonderful and and they'll be happy they listened and uh yeah. happy they got to know you and happy they uh got yeah. to know your food i i would guess there's going to be a few people going to dame who sur- 
certainly have heard of Dame, but now they have one more person or one more reason to go in there and visit. They're not going to see you, though. That, that no. I remember, Republica, was a really nice part of the evening yeah. was when you came out and served your dessert with your – you have a beautiful smile – with, and and it it enhanced that experience, right? And you talked a little bit yeah. about your dessert. So you're not you can't do you're not doing that at Dame. No, um, but we have been talking about maybe having me come in for night service once or twice, you know, a weekend, and kind of you know touching tables and talking to um, people who come in because um, a lot of people have been kind of like wanting to. Um, kind of like meet me and stuff like that, which is makes me really nervous and uncomfortable. But you know, I I love it, and I definitely we've been talking about having me like come in maybe like once a weekend and staying for service and being able to talk to people and stuff like that. You're talking to a couple of people about your food. You're coming. So here's the thing. <laughs> One thing I've learned is if I if if I'm talking about something I'm very comfortable with. I'm not nervous because I can't flail. I have nothing to flail around about. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're pretty comfortable with it. Were you so? Um, were you nervous to record this podcast? Oh, a hundred percent. I barely slept really? last night. I was like, I've never done a podcast before. I was like, Am I going to sound funny? Am I going to say things that are funny? Like, am I? Are people going to want to listen? Oh, yeah, you've but been great. You've been great. Thank you. So, but let me tell you what, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I think okay. if you've never done this before and you've never, yeah. you're going to listen and you're going to hate your voice. Oh. That That's going to happen. You're going to listen yeah. and think, oh, I sound stupid. Cause that's, a, mm. I spent the entire first year doing that. And I, then I said, I'm not, you listen to it critically. And then also yeah. your voice sounds different than it does when it's, when your ears on the side of your mouth yeah. and it's projecting out. So it sounds different, but <laughs> no, I would. I would say two things. You should have absolutely nothing, no reservations about coming out and talking to your patrons because you're, you know, you're charming and, you know, you exude, you exude a lot of good things. And secondly, I think you've been great on this podcast. I wouldn't have known you were nervous. So Thanks. you hit it. <laughs> yes thank god (laughs) so then i want to know because this is important to me are you less nervous right now than you were an hour ago a hundred percent good yeah talking and and uh i mean i haven't seen you when did the last time i saw you was at the the carlo um republica collab right yeah so it was, yeah, we, it was nice, like, talking and catching up. And then I met Helen, and I'm just going to say Gosh. this because this is the East Coast kind of thing that yeah. I – East Coast kind of person I am. I wrote mm-hmm. Helen, and I said, I'd love to have you on the podcast. That would be great. And all I got back was a like, a heart. <laughs> so, okay, all right. I how will- about <laughs> you go a little step further and say, here's how to make that happen. So, um, So she did mention to me – She's like, I think I forgot to respond to him, but I liked the comment or like the message. Right. So she knew it on her end too. I will tell you about Helen. She is wild, but she is a riot. And she, um, I mean, she's been really busy at the opening up the bistro with uh, Marshawn Lynch at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, she became the executive chef there and she's just been working like 14, 15 hour days. 
Oh, that's <laughs> but she wasn't when we when we when I wrote no, that she no, wasn't she, yet no. working fourteen or fifteen hour days. Mm-mm. But I commented to a couple of people. It's like, is it just me or is it a generational thing oh, that it's no, like it's just, okay it's, to just heart something and then that's it? So I'm not gonna lie, I've done that a couple of times to people. So. Yeah, no. We <laughs> hey, listen, we all have things, and I my biggest gripe is people who think it's okay not to respond at all. Yeah, that yeah. you know, espe- listen, especially if it's somebody that you're working with and collaborating yeah. you gotta yeah. you gotta get back to people you but anyway i found that humorous <laughs> and then you know maybe in a roundabout way she's very busy right now but we'll get helen yeah. on someday and yeah and tasia tells me you day. you might have some um other suggestions of people i might not know yeah. uh that could that would be great guests on this podcast mm-hmm. as you have been and i guess momentarily <laughs> i will say and were um you're great. So I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you know that you would like to impart to um, to our listeners? Like anything yeah, that you keep, know that people should do or any suggestions? Post-pandemic. Oh, here's one. Yeah. Post-pandemic etiquette for diners. What do they need to do that they're not doing now? Just, just calm down a little bit. Be a little bit more patient, a lot more patient. Um, it's hard right now for everyone. Um, and just be more patient and calm and understanding. And just, but keep going it out and eating and supporting. Because if you don't, a lot of these places won't be here, you know, for very much longer. Because everything costs more. And, you know, it's, it's difficult right now. But just keep supporting um keep promoting people and and you know just just calm down sometimes when things take a little bit longer <laughs> uh, that's, you know Please. you don't know me very well but that is <laughs> advice that i could uh, anybody could you, tell me for anything but i just this last week i was mm-hmm. on uh we had um brooke from eater on the podcast and i did mm-hmm. one more of my damn soliloquies about um you know, someday the we've got to get back to expectations being met from before. Yeah. And I, I realized, you know, here I am doing this podcast and we have people on the, in the industry listening and I'm bitching about eating out of boxes and tip lines <laughs> and all this stuff. I need to relax and back up and think, okay, we've got two things that need to have happen here. One I'm okay with because I can temper my budget and maybe go out a little less if prices go up because I know prices need to go up. Yeah. The other one that the industry has little control over right now is staffing. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm bitching about things that aren't the way they were because of staffing, that's not really a valid response Mm -hmm. right now. And so my thing is, I can't wait until we get to that point. I hope we can. And it goes to what you said, (laughs) which is keep going out to eat so that restaurants can sustain and figure out their way out of this. Yeah, and have that time to do that. Yeah, because it's rough. Right. But I've been, I've been, I think I've been kind of an asshole. And uh, (laughs) well, it's because, listen, uh, we got hit too. Yeah. Consumers got, diners got hit too with, with the pandemic some not yeah. so much but some others mm-hmm. did our budgets are hit and when you go yeah. out and you're when you spend money you don't want to 
you know, the it's natural not to want to have to compromise too much. Yeah. But I'm learning mm-hmm. I need to compromise, still yeah. compromise into 2023 and 2024, yeah. and we'll see where we go from yeah. there. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? Or do it? Let, let me yeah, ask you this. I'm, I'm curious. This is not therapy for me, mm-hmm. but you're younger. Do I seem like a like a cranky old a cranky old man to you? No, I don't think that at all. Okay, I mean, good. it's if you were a cranky old man, you wouldn't have just said like, you know, I need to learn to like be a little bit more. Right, but I just said yeah. that to myself this week. But I mean, so, at least you said it because most you know, cranky old men wouldn't say that to themselves because... Well, that's true. I'm trying know. my best not to... Yeah. Be, I have a girlfriend too, so I yeah. can't be cranky. I have to be aware of when mm-hmm. those things that for a long time I would just say to myself that, you know, my mom, when she got older, everything, yeah. there's no filter, just kept coming yeah. out of her. No, mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. we got to be a little more aware of that. But um, yeah. thank Definitely. you. I'm sorry. I, I really appreciate your coming on and taking the time and being thank so you gracious. Thank you and dealing with the technical shit that happened in the beginning, <laughs> I finally figured out how to get this, how to get your voice in my ears as opposed to in the speakers. Mm-hmm. So, um, thank you. We'll, uh, yeah, thank you again for having me. It means a lot, and it's been really nice and wonderful talking to you today. I'm so. glad to hear that, and I'm glad you know. Um, just we love patrick too so it's good it would have been easy to say well we just had patrick on doesn't matter <laughs> we, we you're a different you're a different human yeah and uh you have a different viewpoint and uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's all good and everybody yeah. get to dame by the way so we uh so we cover it dame pdx is that the instagram handle and the um yeah she's i looking think it, it up. is Sorry, I could have looked it up. I think that's what it is. Um, right? It's Dame Restaurant. Dame Restaurant. I'm glad yeah. you corrected me. Dame and so that's Dame Restaurant on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then probably if you just Google that, Dame, you're going to yeah. get to it. Dame Do you need restaurant. reservations yeah. now? I mean, is it, can you, you get in? You're going to, you're going to, I mean, Fridays and Saturdays, they're doing like over 90 covers. Mm. Um, so a really good day um would be like a sunday or thursday um but i would make a reservation at least a week in advance um because they're they're getting pretty booked that's good to hear and other than all the things that we've talked about with personalities that's one of and jane too doing you know she's awesome so great but let's give jane some credit also for building that beautiful room which is one of the prettiest restaurants in portland yes so yes um and and when anybody asks me for a romantic experience dame comes to mind because that's uh it's really beautiful it was beautiful before it was dame and i think i think she made it even nicer took that to a whole nother level because her wine program and just her in general, she's just a, if I can say that she's just a badass. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool to be able to work for the two of them because I mean, they're just incredible. So, well, great. Thanks. Everybody get in and have that uh, Dame experience (laughs) and then follow Gabby on Instagram at sweet creatures, PDX sweets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, Sweet Did creature PDX. Yeah, sweet yeah. creature. Good. <laughs> yeah. Sweet creature PDX. There's not. There's only one of you, and yeah. um, and uh, check check it out at a pop up near you. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Mm-hmm.